Spanish been from uptown, I bought a bus down. <laughs> yeah. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the Crease Dive presented by Barstool Sports. I'm Jordy, and today we've got a solo sode coming up here for you. Uh, unfortunately, Robbie O couldn't make it uh, to this week's podcast, so you just got me on the mic. So it might be a little shorter than normal, but things might get a little awkward here and there. I mean, hey, listen, like you try getting on the mic just by yourself for, you know, however long and, you know, see if things don't go off the rails. It's a little difficult here, but, you know, fortunately for me, we have a shit ton of things to talk about today, so it's not going to get uh, you know too rambly here. And later on in the episode, we've got an interview with Mark Matthews coming up. Maybe you've heard of this guy before. You know, 2018 NLL MVP, not a big deal. Has won three out of the last four championships with the Saskatchewan Rush, not a big deal. You also might remember him from his time at Denver, where he blessed the world with ridiculous highlights that have been on YouTube now. Now, where you can spend hours upon hours upon hours of watching Mark Matthews just destroy defenders at college across. Uh, and he's been doing the same thing post collegiately, you know, so he's been ripping it up with Saskatchewan uh, in the NLL. So we'll talk to him about the season coming up here. And then we'll also talk about, uh, you know, a little bit about his plans this summer and where he'll be playing field across. Uh, so. We got Mark Matthews coming up later in the episode. We also have, finally, it is here. Week one of the NLL season is here. We've got three games scheduled for this weekend. We've got the Buffalo Bandits at the Philadelphia Wings. We've got the New England Black Wolves at the Georgia Swarm. And we've got the Vancouver Warriors, not the Stealth, uh, playing against the Calgary Roughnecks. So those will be the first three games of the 2018-19 NLL season. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you already knew that the first two weeks of the season were canceled due to a lockout, but hey, we all survived. We all made it out to the other side in one piece, or at least hopefully most of us did. Uh, so those first two weeks of the season, they're scratched. You know, guys use that for uh, training camp. You know, they got some scrimmages in. Now we're here. December 15th, week one of the NLL season is here. But before we even get to any games... We have another team to talk about here, another team thrown into the mix because it was announced earlier this week that the 13th franchise in the NLL was awarded to the state of New York and pro lacrosse is headed back to the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, Yeah. So NLL going to New York, another expansion team. So if you've been keeping track over the last, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 or so months, I'm not that great with math, but, you know, anyone can flip through a calendar and tell you how long it's been. But if you've been paying attention for the last, you know, 12, 15 months, that is now four new teams added to the league. So, you know, 2017, 18 season, there were nine teams in the league and you know, now there's going to be 13. So at first San Diego uh, was the first in, in this new expansion era, following up the San Diego seals, Philadelphia wings coming back to town. Uh, so that's, you know, two expansion teams. Then this is where things get a little confusing, but you know, so the Rochester Nighthawks are moving to Halifax. So technically Halifax is a new city in the league, but they're not an expansion team because they're going to be the Rochester Nighthawks just moved to a new city and then replacing the Nighthawks in Rochester is going to be another team in Rochester. So that'll be the expansion team. So uh, kind of weird that Rochester is still going to have a team, but it's going to be an expansion team and Halifax is going to have a team, but they're not expansion. Whatever. You're going to be confused about it. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe your brain is a little bit better than I, than mine. And you can comprehend that better. Um, but yeah, so that's the case. So there's three teams and now the fourth in New York. Uh, now they don't have a name yet. I think anyone with like half a brain knows that this team needs to be called either the Saints, uh, you know, just because there's there's so much history with that name already. It's what the fans in that area are going to, uh, you know, connect with. Um, you know, the the Saints are a staple of pro lacrosse, uh, and you know, if, if you don't go back to the Saints, you could also go right back to the to the New York Titans. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there was necessarily as much fanfare with the Titans as there were with the Saints, you know, considering that the Titans only had 
however long they had in New York before they went down to Orlando and then they go down to Orlando and well, they're not in the league anymore. But so, I mean, the Saints, the Titans makes sense, you know, but I, I think the NLL is going to probably end up going a, a different way with that one. I mean, if you checked out uh, the new website for this team in New York, they had a team survey or team name survey uh, for, you know, fans to, to put in their votes for. And, you know, obviously you could write in Saints or Titans or you could write in whatever the fuck you wanted to write in. You could write in the fucking dick slappers. Uh, but the the uh, options that they have right now are, uh, I think they, they went with the Riptide, which uh, you can't go right. That's that just conjures up bad memories of uh, MLL expansion out to California and the LA Riptide RIP, uh, you know, fucking phenomenal uniforms. Uh, but that just didn't quite work out. They also had the New York force, which like, I don't know. That sounds like a, like a club softball team or some shit like that. Like, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like you, you see like a, like a high school New York force softball team, or maybe like a, you know, maybe like a WNBA team or something like that. Like, no offense, WNBA. I mean, they're probably, um, you know, they might even be more popular than the NLL at this point, at least in the United States. But New York Force just, it doesn't sound like a lacrosse name. It sounds like, uh, I don't know, it's its pun a little bit intended here, but sounds kind of forced. Uh, then the third one was, uh, oh, so this one, uh, the New York Beacons. Now, listen, like, I, I could be dumb, I don't know, but I don't, what the fuck is a beacon? Um, I, I need someone to explain that one to me. I have no idea what a beacon is. I'd have to Google it right now, but I'm kind of my own host and producer and co-host at this point. So can't be doing too much Googling, but, uh, yeah, if, if you know what a beacon is, let me know on Twitter because I don't know. I see that. I think bacon, which like would be a good name. The New York bacons, maybe they could have like, uh, you know, Kevin Bacon, uh, you know, so I, I would Kevin Bacon actually a Philly guy, so I don't know if he'd probably be a Wings fan. So I don't know if that'll work. So sorry, New York, you cannot have Kevin Bacon from Philly. Uh, but yeah, so those were the three options that they went with. Uh, all of them, no offense, guys, but all of those fucking suck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if uh, yeah, if you want, head over to their website and put in your suggested name for either the Saints or the Titans, or anything else that, like, doesn't suck, uh, but yeah, so now, uh, that's the fourth expansion team in the past however so many months, uh, you know, a year and some change, I think what people need to realize is that when we say that lacrosse is the sport of the future, we're not fucking joking, like, it's, it's like, there's, like, a little bit of a, a jokey tone to it, but we're not kidding. We're not fucking around here. Lacrosse is the sport of the future. That is four new teams playing professional lacrosse in the next couple of seasons. That What that means is that there are four extremely wealthy, extremely successful individuals or companies who have looked at the NLL, who have looked at professional lacrosse, and they said to themselves, yeah, this is where we're putting our money because we're going to make it all back and then some, and then we're going to be taking baths in money. We are going to be blowing our noses in money. We are going to be making so much money in professional lacrosse. And these are people who are smart and brilliant and rich. They're not you. They're not me. They're not fucking bozos on the internet comment section. These are people who know what they're doing in the business world. You know, these, uh, you know, you got Joe Sai. He's Alibaba. He's a fucking billionaire. And he says that lacrosse is where he wants to make some money with the San Diego Seals. You got Comcast. Listen, they fuck me over with my cable and internet bill every single month. But they don't make that money for no reason. They know what they're doing. Comcast is a fucking billion, billion dollar industry. They own the Flyers and now they own the Wings. You got Terry Pegula who owns like pretty much all of Buffalo. He's got another team in Rochester. And and now this, uh, you know, I don't know too much about the, the owners for this new team in New York. It's GF Sports. But listen, I mean, they paid millions of dollars for this team. They probably know what they're doing. And they know that lacrosse is where the money's at right now. So I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things um, that this expansion era in the NLL says to me is that there are smart, successful, wealthy people out there who are seeing professional lacrosse as a way to make money. Um, and at the end of the day, like that's really all they care about. Uh, these people just like, 
I don't think Comcast is like, hey, like, let's make sure that lacrosse grows. I think they're saying, hey, let's make sure that our pockets grow. Um, and listen, if, if the pockets grow, that means that the game's grown, though. So the two kind of go hand in hand. I think that the owners are a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more greedy about it, but like that's their job to be greedy. I mean, they put the money in, they want to get the money out. So, um, you know, that, that says a lot to me that there are so many new teams coming into the league right now. Uh, and this is only, you know, it might not be like just the tip of the iceberg. It might be like a little, little decent chunk, but there's going to be more and more expansion throughout these next few years here. The NLL has plans to, you know, kind of catch up with other major professional sports leagues. They want to get up to, you know, 30. Um, you know, I think that that 20 is a, is a pretty realistic goal to, to hit. And I think that they could probably hit that in, in a couple of years here. Um, you know, and then another thing with expansion that, uh, you know, that, that I think might worry some people is, you know, you're going to get people saying things like, oh, well, you know, the talent level is going to get watered down and, and it's going to affect the product on the, on the floor. And to that, just like, shut the fuck up. Like if anyone, if anyone's initial reaction about all this expansion in the NLL is that the talent's going to get watered down, you're a fucking idiot. Because like, listen, this isn't like the NLL only had nine teams last season. All right. So it's not like, like let's say let's say the NHL, right? So they expand to Seattle in a couple years and that'll be 32 teams in the NHL. If they expanded any more than that, like they're adding another 23 guys to the NHL um and there's already 32 rosters full of those people. So like are there 23 other guys in the world, other hockey players in the world who are probably good enough to play in the NHL but aren't there yet? Yeah, like probably, but is there enough like legitimate superstar power um, that you could really spread those guys around throughout the league to to make that work with you know thirty three or thirty four teams? Maybe not. Like maybe the talent would probably get watered down if you go past thirty two teams, but that's not the case in the NLL. Like there's only nine teams. Well, this year there's going to be eleven, and then next year there'll be thirteen. But like from last year to this year, there were only nine teams. So like that's not a ton of guys playing in the NLL. Like these rosters aren't massive. Like they don't have 53 guys on a team. Um, so like right off the bat, I mean, you think of like all the Canadians who just, there are only so many teams. There are already so many guys that just can't crack a roster to begin with just because there's, there's not a lot of opportunity there. So the amount of guys that, you know, these Canadians who just haven't been able to find themselves on an NLL roster, but they should be in the league. There's just not enough teams to roster all those people. So you have those guys. And then you have guys like, you know, you're going to see it this year. There's going to be a lot more Americans playing box. Um, you know, you got guys who have been doing it for a couple of years now. I mean, you, you got, you know, Joel White and, and uh, you know, like guys like Brett Manning. But then past couple of years, you've had Tom Schreiber, who's become one of the best players in the league. You got Kieran McCardle, who who rips it up. This year, you know, you're going to be seeing guys like Trevor Baptiste and Matt Rambo, um, Justin Gutterding also in, in the mix with the wings on the practice squad right now, Connor Kelly in San Diego. So you have these Americans who, you know, they don't have a ton of box experience, but I think you're going to see them go out there this year. And I think that they're going to turn some heads. And I think that uh, you know, more America. I mean, the game is growing again in America. I think that the box version of the game um, is really picking up steam here. So we're going to start to see more Americans start to play box a little bit early on, um, you know, and, and these Americans are going to be able to fill up some roster spots. And, you know, even though they haven't been playing it their whole lives, like, you know, the Canadians have, um, you know, I, I think that they're going to fit in pretty well here. So, you know, between giving more uh, opportunities for Americans and, you know, given the Canadians who just haven't been able to find themselves on a roster yet, like the NLL has room to grow because the talent is out there. The talent level across all of lacrosse has never been higher than it is right now. But there's only, you know, there's only nine or well, there's 11 NLL teams. There's going to be 13. There's only six PLL teams. There's only so many MLL teams. So like there's so much talent in the sport of lacrosse, but so few pro teams. Um, so, you know, there, there's definitely room for the NLL to grow there and to also, uh, you know, keep the talent level either where it's at or even better. Um, 
Actually, I, I, so I mentioned his name while I went on that little rant there. Uh, but one thing that I am really going to be keeping my eye on with this new team in New York is a guy like Tom Schreiber. Uh, you know, Tommy, he's from the island. Uh, so this will be his hometown team. I don't know what his contract sitch is like with Toronto right now, but I have to imagine that if the opportunity's there, Tom Schreiber would love to go home to play for this New York team. And if you can start a... Uh, you know, if you could start an expansion team and build around Tom Schreiber, that's fucking money right there. I mean, you, you don't really even need to go through the rest of the expansion draft. I mean, just bring in whoever you want with him uh, and, and you're going to be pretty successful. So, um, you know, and I'm sure that uh, USA Lacrosse would definitely love to have Captain America uh, kind of rip him away from a Canadian team and, and put him back in New York. So, you know, that's definitely a, a name that you should keep an eye out on. I, I think... Even if it doesn't happen for the inaugural season, I think that there's definitely a uh, great chance that Tom Schreiber will end up on that New York team eventually at, at one point or another. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to with that team in New York, and there's a lot to look forward to in the future with how the NLL uh, continues to grow, um, you know, continues to get, you know, new ownership. And even with Vancouver, I mean, they, they got bought by the Canucks. There's more money into the league now, um, you know, so they got stealth get bought by the vancouver canucks you know they changed their team name they changed their jerseys still the same team but now they have that ownership backing of an nhl team so uh you know the the more that you know this this league continues to grow uh, i think that that's kind of a testament to where lacrosse is at right now i mean there's money to be made in this sport uh, and fortunately the players are starting to get paid as well so uh it's it's only up from here so definitely things to look forward to in the future but in the more immediate future, we have week one and the 2018-19 NLL season to get us going. And before we talk about that, let's uh, you know, let's check in with the reigning NLL MVP and uh, from the reigning champs, the Saskatchewan Rush. Let's kick it over to our interview with Mark Matthews. All right, and joining us now on the podcast, we've got the 2018 NLL MVP from the Saskatchewan Rush, Mark Matthews on the mic. Mark, what's going on, man? Appreciate you coming on here. No, not much. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, I mean, obviously the the season gets uh, this podcast will be uh, published on Friday, December fourteenth. The NLL season after a uh, you know quick little two week cancellation will get started tomorrow. Uh, so the rush, you guys don't have a game for another couple weeks. You guys, your schedule got caught up a little bit there with the lockout. Uh, but you know how how you feeling coming into the season? I mean, the reigning champs, reigning MVP. Uh, you know, you, you got to be pretty confident coming in here yeah for sure I mean uh not having a game for uh for a few weeks here kind of sucks and you know having a bunch of teams play the next two weekends is kind of frustrating but uh yeah like you said we got uh scheduling a little messed up there at the lockout stuff going on but uh we had you know a game last weekend against Calgary and Sask which was uh which was like a final tune-up for us which you know went pretty well for us so we're uh we're excited a few new faces on the team but you know same uh pretty much the same core and we're excited to get things going yeah i mean one of the things that uh you know i i've i've been noted with you guys is you know even though you're kind of getting dicked over here with the schedule a little bit with that lockout uh i mean your team has been just a, a wagon throughout a, a bunch of you know different um you know i i guess you can call it uh adversity maybe i mean maybe not really but like you guys have won uh championships in two different cities uh you guys have won championships through uh two different commissioners at this point um you know so from edmonton to saskatchewan new commissioners uh even a, a new trophy i mean you guys have been in the final for four straight years you've won three of them uh so you don't really seem it seems like you guys have that core where you guys don't really give a shit about what's going on outside of the team. You guys are still going to just ball out uh, once the games get going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you pretty much have it uh, hit the nail right on the head there. We don't really care what's going on around us. Uh, we like so we have a pretty good core that's been there for, you know, my whole my whole career as a uh, playing for the Rush. So, you know, those uh, every so often we get a one or two new faces that uh, come in and help us out. But, 
uh, that same core is, uh, it, it's been pretty good. And I mean, three or four is, uh, is not bad. However you look at it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you got a, got a nice little, nice little dynasty going there in Saskatchewan right now. Um, I mean, uh, maybe we'll, we'll get to this right now. I was going to ask this a little bit later, but I, I need to know what it's like because, you know, I, I've never won a ton in my, uh, less than prolific lacrosse playing career. Uh, but I mean, you've been, uh, I mean, you guys have been just racking up the rings right now. And I kind of want to know what that's like, because, you know, you win the first year in 2015 in Edmonton, um, you know, and obviously, you know, that's gotta be a highlight of the career. Then you win back to back in 2016. That's gotta be, you know, a, a great celebration. Then you drop one to Georgia in 2017, but then you come back and win it again in 2018. I mean, what's it? I, I guess what I, is like, how do you how do you rank the type of celebrations? Because at at some like, are you guys just like gassed from getting in one after winning all these uh, all these championships, or do you guys still, uh, you know, is, is that celebration still just like a, a nonstop party, even though you've been there three times in the last four years now? Uh, I mean, yeah, the first, uh, obviously that first championship was, uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, having, uh, having not, no one on our team ever won. It was, uh, was pretty fun. Uh, our owner took us to Mexico, you know, pretty well the next week after to continue the celebration. So, uh, that was a doozy. And then, uh, the next year going to Vegas after we won. And then, uh, this past year we went to Arizona as a team. So it, uh, our owner takes pretty good care of us, and, and we uh, we tend to drag that party on as long as we can. Can uh, can, can you rank those those three celebrations, Mexico, Vegas, and, and Arizona? I mean, those are just three spots to get after it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 1A, 1B, 1C, I guess. There were uh, – <laughs> uh, Mexico was pretty wild, obviously, uh, all-inclusive for 25 guys you know, four days after winning their first championship was pretty wild. We had, uh, we had a couple, uh, couple slip ups down there. A couple guys got in, uh, got a little bit of trouble, but we, uh, you know, moving to Vegas, Vegas was awesome. You know, that was, uh, another four day or of, you know, lunatic stuff. And then Arizona was pretty, uh, pretty tame. We did a little bit of golfing and, uh, you know, still got pretty much, uh, pretty after it at a pool party and stuff. Weather was kind of shitty, but I'd say Mexico is number one. Yeah, definitely. One one A, one B, one C sounds sounds pretty right there. Um, but so I, I guess you know, so you know, you have those three championships with you now. I mean, you guys have been to the final for four years. So you know, like I said, um, you know, the, the rush, your squad there, you've been building up a nice little dynasty for a while now. But you personally, you've you've been building up your game. Um, you know, and I think that there, there are going to be, you know, a few people who may not have, uh, you know, at least here in the States who haven't quite been able to keep up with your career after Denver. Um, but post Denver, I mean, you, you've been building up to what you did last year, uh, by, you know, not only winning your third championship, but also getting named the league MVP. Um, you know, and I, I guess, you know, just kind of talk to people about, you know, what, I guess like, let's just get into the NLL career of Mark Matthews. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people again, know you from Denver. Um, but you know, the, the, the box game isn't quite as big here in the States. So maybe, you know, they just haven't really been able to see what you've been doing with the rush. Um, you know, but, but capping off that, that year last year, I mean, how has your game just continued to evolve, uh, throughout this point? Uh, I mean, having the players that we have on our team are, uh, are pretty easy to play with. I mean, I don't know who, how many people would be familiar with some of the guys, but you know, like Robert Church and Ben McIntosh and Curtis Knight and, and Dinsdale and having Dawson last year, who's obviously a hall of famer. And, uh, you know, we had Zach Greer for a few years, Ryan Keenan, Riley Lowen. These guys were, uh, Dan Taylor. These guys were all crucial, I guess, in how, uh, how I played as a, as an individual, I mean, they score, some of these guys are scoring 40 and 50 goals a year. It makes it pretty easy to pass the ball to them and get an assist or, you know, then throw it over to us and, and, and score goals. But, you know, the coaching staff is, uh, you know, put together a pretty good, pretty good roster of guys. And like I said, it makes it pretty easy to play when you're playing with, uh, you know, top five guys in the league every year. 
Yeah, I mean, you racked up a, a league record 84 assists last year, so that's that's not a big deal or anything like that. But one part of your career that I think you really – now, I, I wasn't going to bring you on the podcast and not bring this up uh, because this this <laughs> one stretch of your career, I think, is where you racked up you know, some, a ton of assists is uh, we go back to the 2017 season. I think you know what's coming up here. <laughs> Mark Matthews playing two games. I mean, this is where this is where you know that these these guys are are tough as nails in this league because they play through injuries and you were battling in the 2017 season. You had two games where you were battling a severe case of I, I believe in the medical field they they refer to this as conjunctivitis. Uh for all of us who didn't go to medical school, it is pink eye. So you had yep. pink eye for two games. <laughs> And you put up 15 points in those two games. So four goals, 11 assists, two games with both eyes just just glued shut. Uh, Now, the question that I asked right away, and I still haven't got an answer to it, is can you consider having pink eye a PED? Because obviously, you know, I I looked at your numbers heading into that, and you – you outperformed yourself when you had pink eye. I mean, I, I think you were getting at least, you know, another point or two per game with pink eye. So is that something that you've thought about going back to? Oh, well, you got to play. I was playing guilty at that point. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I picked it up in, uh, I went to Mexico with a couple buddies from home here for spring break and, uh, and came back and, you know, picked up uh, one eye and then it kind of moved to the other and, no, another buddy of mine got it too. So we were all uh, battling at the same time here at home. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you're when you're playing with those kind of players, it's uh, you know just throwing the ball and and hope uh, hope you can see it when they throw it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it uh, I mean, it definitely might have to be something that stays in the playbook. You know, maybe if you guys kind of find yourselves in a little bit of a rut at any point this season, you know, you just kind of. Uh, head to Mexico, swap some pillows and uh, get those eyes closed. Uh, That's yeah, it was, it was not fun. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do over that through. I wouldn't go through that again. That's for sure. All right. Well, you know, I I guess that's, that makes sense. (laughs) I couldn't do it. (laughs) Uh, Can't even explain to you how miserable it was. Well, you know, when you're not playing with pink eye though, um, you know, your, you know, your, your game, um, you know, when, when I look back at like, you know, some of the, the, you know, the most exciting college lacrosse players to watch, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go into your career at Denver a little bit here. Cause I think that's, you know, especially with the people listening to this podcast, I think that that's where they're, they're really going to remember you from. Um, you know, you're one of those guys who, you know, I remember just throwing on YouTube clips and, and just watching it for hours. I mean, you're one of those like, I would say one of like the first guys in college lacrosse to truly just not give a fuck about the the field part and just you you played you played field lacrosse like a Canadian and I don't really know if if that was like too popular of a style um you know I, I just remember you know just saying hell no to a right hand just keeping it in your left the whole time or if you needed to finish with one hand um and and for someone like me, I mean, I really appreciated someone who who could play like that because I as well absolutely hate going to my right. Um, so you know, I guess talk to us a little bit about you know coming over to Denver um, and just really you know keeping your style of play that you probably developed uh, in in the box and up in Canada and just translating that to the field game. Uh, yeah, I mean, having well, when I went to school, it was. There was like seven or eight Canadian guys there from the West Coast and a couple guys from the East Coast that uh, that all played box. And uh, obviously having Mac Brown as a coach who grew up playing nothing but box, uh, that uh, you kind of don't have to be forced to play, you know, this American style of field across. And when, uh, you know, when Tierney came over and, and Brownie stuck around, it was kind of, we had a good balance of, of guys that could go both ways and, and guys that... Uh, you know, obviously, I you know I had no wrong hand as we used to call it, but uh, yeah, I mean, just being able to do whatever we wanted. There was a handful of us there that were uh, you know Noble and Flint and myself and Wesley Berg and, and guys that uh, you know predominantly only had one hand. So 
they just kind of let us do our thing and you know it seemed to uh it seemed to work so they just you know like i said let us do our own thing yeah and i mean like so when when you were at denver i mean i think that that was really like there have always been canadians playing college across um but i think like your i guess like generation was like i think when when schools really started to figure out like hey if we want to make sure that we're just filling the back of the net we we've got to you know we've got to get you know a ton of recruits out, out of canada i mean you had uh, i guess crowley was was probably a year above you uh let's, yeah let, one or two above me I yeah uh maybe. like logan shuss was around that same time he might be like a year younger yep. and, and then you know he's a year younger and and then from there i mean it's just taken off i mean like you see just I mean, you see the Hill Academy and and it's just like top to bottom D1 recruits, like everyone there is going D1. You, you see a ton of Canadians playing, you know, places like Culver. And, and so I, I think that, you know, even though Canadians have always been playing college lacrosse, I think it's like your kind of uh, generation that that was like the start of just like a flood of Canadians coming to the NCAA. Uh, for sure. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that that Crowley, myself, like Logan and the guys that were you know, anywhere like four or so years around my age were like your stereotypical guys that came in with one hand and, you know, were just pure, pretty much pure goal scorers in field cross at that point. Uh, but now, like you said, with the Hill Academy, like they're, they're like Brody's over there. They're teaching them how to play like field across, you know, like those kids are coming in obviously playing at the best schools and, you know, the, some of the best players, like, you know, like Jeff Teat, um, he can play with both hands and he knows exactly what he's doing out there, like both in box and in field. But, you know, when I went to school, I, you know, had played, you know, maybe a few years of high school across here in Canada, which is, um, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but it's not field across by any means. Uh, so when we like, like, you know, those guys are playing field across and are obviously, uh, you know, learning the game a little more than us. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously having guys on your team that could score um, and catch balls inside like uh, some of us can is uh, it's pretty beneficial. Well, yeah, but I think uh, you know a great thing you know with that kind of flood of Canadians coming over uh, to play college across is yeah I think we're starting to see a little bit more of a a blend between like the two the two versions of lacrosse. I think that, you know, we're starting to see a lot more of box lacrosse being incorporated, uh, into, into the field game. I mean, I, I don't really think that teams are running any set offenses anymore. It's kind of just like, Hey, go out there, run some two man game and just, you know, um, you know, just kind of get a feel for it out there. And, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of guys, uh, kind of like follow your style. I mean, you look at a kid, uh, like, a. Uh, what's his name? Brennan O'Neill. I mean, this high school lacrosse player, uh, top kid in his class, big size, big lefty like you. And and you can see like shades of your game in his. Um, so, you know, you see the box game kind of bringing the the field game, uh, making it, you know, the, the box game just has, you know, you can see its imprints on the field game now. Um, you know, and then vice, and then you start getting, you know, more Americans playing kind of like a box style in the field. And then, um, you know, what we're seeing right now in the NLL with, with all these new teams coming in a lot more opportunities for Americans to find themselves some roster spots in the NLL. Uh, so I think we're seeing like the, the two versions kind of starting to really blend together here. And I think that, you know, you guys coming down to play college across is kind of what jumpstarted that. Uh, yeah. I mean, for sure with, uh, I think, you know, where obviously where I went to school at Denver with, uh, with Brownie and, and Tierney and, and I think, you know, Orson there now and stuff, these guys all played a lot of box and, um, Brownie obviously playing at some of the highest levels. Um, a lot of teams I feel like are, are, are looking at how he's playing and, and trying to mimic that a lot, because like you said, there's a, there's a big flood of Canadian guys coming in and there's no point in, you know, putting someone like myself in a position that I got to be high in the box and, you know, running downhill and switching hands when, you know, I can't do it. So there's, you know, when you put, start putting in offenses like Brownie used to do, like you said, there's no structure anymore. It's, you know, a set of, of six guys and kind of do what you can do. I mean, they teach you how to play lacrosse. You've been playing it since whatever age, you know, that's not the, that's not the problem. It's the, uh, you know, keeping a little bit of structure. And, and that's what they did with us at Denver, you, you know, if we were getting a little wild, they, you know, wrangle us in a little bit and, and kind of just let us do our thing. And 
and you're seeing that a lot nowadays i feel like yeah and i mean i th- i think that makes for a more entertaining product um you know especially as, as we you know look to lacrosse starting to you know get a little bit more popular here um you know i, I think that just letting guys kind of you know just letting them off the leash a little bit uh say you know go out there without you know too much structure and and just see what you can do i think that that's you know for the fans watching um you know both in box and field i mean i think that that's you know that's kind of what is really going to draw people in um you know and i think that you know, I, I think that's that's probably a, a great thing for you guys now, especially with the NLL starting to get, um, you know, you're in, in an era of expansion here. You got uh, Bleacher Report coming. I mean, fuck Bleacher Report, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you got Bleacher Report coming in. So, I mean, it, and, you know, some more TV deals and shit like that. Um, you know, and I think that people can, in the field game especially, can really see how the entertainment and intensity of the of the box game uh, makes for better TV. And I think that that's, you know, that's going to be something that that's going to help the field game as well. Yeah, obviously. I mean, the, the entertainment factor is, is definitely, I think in my opinion, a lot higher in the, in the box game with the music and the, you know, that whole, that whole atmosphere and, and, you know, feel across just being as actually, well, now the college games got to shoot the shot clock and the MLL and stuff with the shot clock, but still not as, uh, you know, as exciting of, a possibility of, you know, God, like a bench brawl or something happened with, you know, something going on and with that, uh, like a fight or anything just compared to, uh, the college game or an MLL game is, it's got to draw people with the, with the interest of seeing that a little more. And, you know, obviously it being on TV a little more now is, it's, uh, has a better chance of growing. Yeah. Real quick, just to, uh, go off of that real uh, I, I know that uh, that Crawley hasn't been in one yet. We're we're trying to get him to drop the Mets a little bit. But have you uh, have you gotten in a fight at all in your career? Uh, I fought. Uh, yeah, I fought our first game in Saskatchewan uh, when we first moved moved there. The home opener, actually. Ah, so look at that. Crowley thinks he thinks because he he was first overall pick that he doesn't have to fight. But here you are dropping him and chucking him a little bit. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. Uh... <laughs> Wouldn't call it much of a fight, but it was uh, it was uh, mostly one sided. I didn't really give the guy too much of a chance to fight back. It was uh, a bit of a jumping, if you will, but it uh, it all counts. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that uh, you know, I'm sure that the Saskel Center was buzzing after that. I mean, you guys have uh, you know, I, I don't know again with I don't know necessarily how many uh, big NLL fans are, are listening to this podcast at the moment, but if you haven't seen the scene uh, with with your fans in Saskatchewan, I mean, you guys you guys do it up right there. Um, you know that fan base is fucking insane. The the guy in the mask, uh, all, all this the green smoke and shit They're like nuts. that. You guys you guys do it up. Yeah, we have a we got a pretty good thing going there. They're uh with the Hulk and all that shit that they, uh, they do a pretty good job of production and, and the fans are, are wild. I mean, I don't know what else there is to do out there on a, on a minus 30 Saturday night. So they packed that place pretty good. And, and, uh, I'm sure they sell a lot of, uh, a lot of beers during that couple hour span. And, and you can tell as the, uh, as the game gets going. Yeah. Everyone just getting nice and gassed up a little bit. Uh, yeah. now it was, was the uh was the scene in Edmonton like was it ever anything like that or or was it tougher to draw a crowd out there? Yeah, we I guess before my time, the first couple of years they started they uh, they did all right crowd wise. They were filling it up a little bit the arena, um, and then they were going like one and twelve or one and fourteen or whatever the records were back then, and and people just stopped coming. And uh, my first year, we kind of had nobody and then it it kind of grew from there but yeah we had a definitely a tough time selling tickets and getting people in the stands I mean I think the finals when we won there was you know me we might have had 11,000 or something so pretty empty at times but coming to Saskatchewan we're uh you know we're 15,000 strong every night and it's it's pretty wild when uh when you guys were playing in Edmonton you ever see you ever run into to Gretzky or any of those guys at Rexall Place or or were they just no no the we met a couple uh we used to get the girl the woman that used to run our team uh ran the uh Northlands which the arena was like whatever called and and stuff at that point so it was uh 
at the concert, she'd give us tickets to the concert, all the guys that live there, and, and uh, we'd be on the players' bench, and sometimes the Oilers guys would be on the other bench. She'd kind of see those guys there, and uh, I actually ran into Nail Yakupov one time a little bit, and he, uh, I think he might have thought I was fucking nuts, but how he, uh, uh, how how was how was his English? It wasn't great at the time when I well we had just uh, we had just dyed our hair pink for this uh, like charity thing and we had to do some interviews and then I he was standing in the middle of the road freezing cold and I went up and asked him if he needed a ride somewhere when I had fucking pink hair so it was he kind of looked at me and was like oh no 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 like I'm good <laughs> probably stuttered some super fan or something and pretty well told me to kick rocks. <laughs> Yeah, and then I guess you I guess you guys got out of there right before McDavid came into town. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a tough show to have to compete with McDavid and Edmonton, but uh you guys seem to be doing yeah. pretty damn good for yourselves in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't uh I mean, I would not trade it. I wouldn't go back to Edmonton in in a second from what we got going on in Saskatchewan now. I mean, Edmonton had uh you know, they had their loyal fans and and honestly, they drive to Saskatchewan now for games. So, you know, we're not missing those fans because they're coming now to to Saskatchewan every week. So we, uh, you know, we appreciate everything that they they bring for us. But you know, they're they're just uh, you know maybe five hundred of the fifteen thousand lunatics that are in there now. So you know, it's great. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't look like you guys will be at Philly uh, at all this season. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the Wings fans can can take a. Uh, you know, can kind of grow off of what they were before and then also, you know, maybe take a few uh, pieces from uh, from what you guys got going in Saskatchewan and just turn that into a barn that everyone hates to play in because I can't imagine that going over there uh, is very fun for opposing teams. No, I don't think it would be. I mean, they. Uh, I've seen some, some people behind the players' bench there banging the glass and throwing stuff through the you know, through the holes and over top of the glass at some of the opposing team. And, you know, we've had a guy jump the boards and chase a guy around. So <laughs> we, uh, like I said, they're, uh, they're lunatics in there. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, uh, it's not fun to play in for other teams. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, find some video of that blasted out on social media. <laughs> I would look, I, it's probably around. We were playing uh, the mammoth. So it was uh, two, it was the year we lost two years ago. I think it might've been the playoffs. It'd be uh be the last minute or so of the game, a guy ran, jumped on the floor, and started dancing around and stuff. Yeah, off to do some internet sleuthing and <laughs> pick that one up. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, so you guys, you guys start off in in a couple weeks here. Um, you know, I guess at this point, you know, the the goal. Can, you, you just got to keep the dynasty going. Um, you know, how do you, how do you keep everyone, you know, on that roster? How's everyone just stay hungry to get after it? Um, you know, you, you've, you've already got three championships. You, you figure the, the core has been there for, for all of those so far. Um, so what kind of, what kind of like drives this team, I guess? I mean, I mean besides, uh, the possibility of maybe going back to Mexico as a team, uh, <laughs> We, uh, no, we just know what, obviously what that feeling's like to win and then what the feeling's like to lose. So nobody, uh, I don't think anybody wants that feeling again of, you know, losing that heartbreaker in overtime in our own barn and, and watching, uh, a team hoist the trophy, uh, right in our face. So, um, you know, for myself, I know that, uh, I don't want that to happen. And I mean, I'd rather not make the playoffs than, than have that happen again. So. We're uh, we're just a hungry group that uh, you know that wants to win at all times and and will uh, you know generally do exactly what it takes to uh, to get to that position, even if that means battling through some pink eye. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then uh, so so let's fast forward to you know the I guess right around Memorial Day weekend or that first weekend in June. So right after the the NLL champion, let's you know if you guys can get back there for for five straight years and then uh, you know seeing however that goes but after that season's wrapped up you're heading to the new york lizards this season right uh yeah just uh just signed a contract there a couple weeks ago or a month ago and uh yeah looking forward to it yeah so uh you know you're one of the you know probably the bigger names uh that didn't make the jump over to the pll this season um, you know, obviously you, you set yourself up pretty nice here getting to play with Rob Pinnell. 
in the summer, but uh, is is there any reason why you didn't go PLL, you know, the travel or anything, or was it just, uh, you know, something that didn't necessarily come up? Uh, yeah, no, I just, I wasn't planning to play uh, this summer with like some work and, you know, I just haven't had a summer off in my life. <laughs> so we, uh, I was going to do a little travel and some fishing and stuff, but you know, the opportunity uh, came to go back to New York and, it was pretty much a contract he couldn't say no to. So uh, there I go. Yeah, I mean, that uh, that that combo of you and Pinnell there is going to be, uh, fuck, God forbid, being a defender, having to play against that. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, uh, I've seen him play for years and obviously played against him for years and watched him, uh, you know, throw the ball inside to, to just about anybody. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited. I might uh, hopefully score about 100 goals this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh definitely going to be uh you know filling up that that six by six at, at this point in your career has to be uh you know not too much of an issue so uh but yeah so a, a few more questions here before i let you go um yeah so let let's just let's talk about the rush a little bit i mean who uh you know who's the who's the joker on the team you know who's the guy who uh, you know, is, is pulling, pulling all the pranks or, you know, just fucking with everyone during practice. Who's, who's that, who's that big clown on the squad? Um, I don't know. Maybe myself. Uh, there's, we got a bunch of guys. Dilksy's uh, a pretty big beauty. He, uh, unfortunately he's not playing this year for working out in Edmonton. He's got a firefighting job, but he, uh, he's pretty good at, uh, he's more vocal in our group chat and, and stuff like that with, uh, with jokes and, uh, he keeps it pretty serious on game day and stuff, but we uh, we tend to get along like a family. I mean, it's everybody picks on everybody, and no one nobody gets away with anything. I mean, our fine jar and our court every week is is pretty funny, and uh, I mean, our coach even does the uh, he's the judge for it, so he uh, he reads them off, and and we all get a good chuckle out of it. So it's uh it's I don't know who you would say would be the biggest joker, but you know, like I said, we all. We all take in and receive pretty pretty frequently. All right, uh, let's uh, let's see. Game on the line. Uh, you know, you, you guys need someone there. Spark up the boy. Who's you know who's given that you know that big Hollywood movie pump up speech? Who's who's the go to guy for that? Oh, uh, I mean, our captain Corbs is uh, is one of the better. I mean, probably one of the better captains I've ever had. Uh, vocal guy in the room gives a pretty good speech, you know, when, when need to, he will, uh, you know, he'll do pretty well anything out there for you. I mean, he's fought some of the toughest guys in the NLL, Brandon Francis and stuff. And for, for, for guys and we'll, like I said, do just about anything for you. So he, uh, he would be, you know, that, uh, that guy, or obviously our coach is he's pretty, uh, he's got a pretty good pregame speech too. All right. And then uh, last question here, I'll give you a chance to throw one of your boys under the bus a little bit. Worst style on the team. Who's, who's the worst dresser? Worst style. We don't really have anybody that's brutal. Uh, Cornwall, Jeff Cornwall suit game is pretty weak. He's a, he's the same suit every week guy. Um, I know when I roomed with uh, when Jonesy Adam Jones was on our team, he was the same way. One suit all year, roll it up in a ball and jam in his bag. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we have we got a team of uh, we got some pretty good style on our team. Everybody dresses pretty uh, pretty good and and keeps uh, their suit game pretty good. But uh, but yeah, obviously uh, Cornwall and, and Jonesy were an exception there. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, I guess if you're winning three championships in four years, you, you got a bunch of championship dressers, so that that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Mark, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. The Saskatchewan Rush, you guys kick off your season Friday, December twenty eighth against Kevin Crowley and the New England Black. Although ugh, I might have to redo that one. Uh, you guys kick off your season yeah, Friday. Be there by then. <laughs> Friday, December twenty eighth, against the New England Black Wolves, and uh, you know the road to the to the your second repeat starts then. And uh, hey, man, I'm you know un until you play against the Wings, I'm pulling for you because I think uh, you know 
four and five years, that's not too bad. So would uh would, would love to see the dynasty keep rolling here. So appreciate you coming on, man, and best of luck this season. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, and thanks again to Mark for hopping on with us. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, the the rush they don't get started until you know they still have another couple weeks here to uh, settle in here before they get their season started against New England. But uh, you know, I think uh, you know I think that they'll be chomping at the bit to go for the repeat, their second repeat in in five years. Uh, so, you know, unless my Philadelphia wings have anything to say about that, but the rush, I mean, they're a fucking wagon. They're absolutely loaded. Uh, I mean, Mark, they had the top two point scores in the league last year. Matthew setting that assist record, Robert church, just lighting the lamp like a goddamn lunatic. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's any reason to see the rush have any sort of drop off this season. Uh, so yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk more about them in, in the next couple of weeks as their season actually gets going. Uh, but for now, let's do it. Our first NLL preview, the inaugural NLL preview on the crease dive. It feels great. I mean, it, it feels fan fucking tastic. Uh, you know, if anyone's been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that myself, I'm a Philly guy. I have been dying dying, dying, dying for the Philadelphia Wings to come back into our lives here in the city of Philadelphia. And it's happening tomorrow. I cannot fucking wait. 1 p.m. Saturday, December 15th at the Wells Fargo Center. I will see all of you beautiful, beautiful souls there. Uh, If you are going to be at the game tomorrow, make sure you let me know on Twitter at Barstool Jordy. Hit me up. Let me know where you're going to be tailgating. Let's slug some beers. Let's get wild. Let's get in one. Let's get crazy for the wings because it is going to be a party in South Philadelphia tomorrow. Uh, and that barn is going to be rocking. The city has been waiting for years for this team to come back. And now it's finally happening. Unfortunately, they are, well, they're starting off with, uh, I mean, uh, this is one of the toughest teams that I think that the Wings could have drawn for their first game back in the league uh, because they will be going up against the Buffalo Bandits. Same thing as Saskatchewan. This team is a fucking wagon. I mean, let, let's just rattle off some names here. I mean, Sean Evans, Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, friend of the program, Ian McKay, and Matt Gilray is a couple of rooks. And then on top of all of that, they bring in the goalie of the year for six-time goalie of the year. He is a certified Hall of Famer, one of the best of all times, Matt Vince. So they got the front door is just loaded. They are going to be pumping, pumping, pumping goals in the back of the net. And then in that themselves, they got one of the best to ever do it in Matt Vince. So, I mean, the the, the wings are kind of going up against the buzzsaw here right away. Uh, They're getting tossed into the deep end right away. Um, You know, so listen, the thing that that I think is going to be a a huge factor for the wings in this game is the fact that it's it's their first game. Um, You know, so I think that they're going to be, the boys are going to be buzzing. Uh, The barn is going to be buzzing. So there's going to be a lot of energy at the Wells Fargo Center. I think the fact that this is a home game for the Wings uh, is definitely, definitely, definitely an advantage for them uh, because I think if this game was in Buffalo, it'd probably get a little ugly. you know, but but Philly, like for an expansion team, I mean, this this offense is no joke. Like there's nothing that anyone can take away from the front door uh, of Philly. I mean, you got veterans like Jordan Hall and, and Kyle Matisse, uh, but then you've got, you know, guys who are just coming into the league for the first time, like Chris Cluche uh, just had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. If you haven't been able to listen to that episode yet, I suggest you check that out before game one tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, Cluche is, I mean, he, he knows how to pump the back of the net. And then we'll see how guys, you know, like like Matty Rambo do uh, in their first NLL action. Um, you know, I think it might take Rambo a, a little bit of time to get used to finishing on on the uh, on the box goal. And I think that you know, starting off your first game in the NLL, having to go up against Matt Vince is definitely going to be a bit of an issue. But you know, they have a great blend of you know those veterans, like I mentioned, with with Hall and Matisse, and and then these young guys who are going to have a ton of energy, um, who are going to be going all day. So. As far as as the forwards go for Philly, 
you know, it's it's going to be a good game. Off, it's going to be a good season for them offensively. I, th- I think that they're going to, you know, they're definitely going to turn some heads. They're definitely going to, you know, score some goals. Uh, it, it's just what they have out of the back door and, and in that themselves that is the biggest question mark. Um, you know, guys who they have running now that, that back door, just I, they just don't really have many guys who have really proven themselves yet in the NLL and, and especially in cage. Um, now, that's not to say that these guys can't come out here and surprise a bunch of people and put on, you know, just a shutdown effort. Um, but the same way where it kind of sucks with, you know, Rambo having to play his first NLL action against uh, a goalie like Matt Vince. You know, it's going to be a little tough for, for these D guys uh, to to have their first game of the season going up against, you know, a guy like Dane Smith, uh, who, you know, fills the back of the net. A guy like Sean Evans, who's just a stud. And then, you know, obviously Ian McKay is, uh, you know, he, <laughs> we've talked to him quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that he's definitely going to want to put on a show uh, in, in Philly here because we've kind of been uh, – you know, pumping Philly's tires for a while now, and he probably wants to shut us up a little bit. Um, but I, I think that that's, uh, you know, I think the Philly is, is going to have enough energy and juice, uh, you know, with the whole um, first game thing going for them. I, I think that they'll have enough energy and juice to keep this one close, but I, I see this one uh, coming out Buffalo on top. Also, real quick, the thing that scares me the most about the Buffalo Bandits is the fact that they are wearing these throwback sweaters all season long. We preach and preach and preach, look good, feel good, play good on this podcast all the time. And the Bandits look mint crisp in these throwback sweaters. Um, so the fact that they're going with those all season long, whoever came up with that idea, you know, what upper management or equipment managers or whatever, whoever came up with the idea to go with those for the full season, they deserve a raise. Uh, also, I fuck. I didn't even mention Josh Byrne that whole time. <laughs> fuck. All right, that's gonna be a tough one for the Wings, but hey, they're gonna keep it close, and it's gonna be a fun game to be at. So tomorrow, one p.m. December fifteenth, Wells Fargo Center. See you there. W i n g s Wings. Later on in the night, it's a seven o five game. We've got the New England Black Wolves going up against the Georgia Swarm. Now, the biggest note in this game. New England gonna have to play without Kevin Crowley, and that is uh, that's gonna be an issue because Kevin Crowley led the league in goals last year. He had 51 tucks on the year, and it's gonna be pretty difficult for New England to try to uh, you know uh, make up for that lack of production that they will not be seeing on the floor with with Crowley and a bit of a holdout here. Uh, you know they. Kevin Buchanan, he, he's he's good. I mean, it just you know Buchanan, Crawford, they they have guys who you know are going to be able to get it done. Um, but I, I just you know I think when you're going up against a, a forward group like like Georgia has, you need to be scoring at will. And without Crawley on the floor, I, I don't know if New England's going to be able to do that. Um, you know, I, I don't even really think I have to mention the guys that Georgia has running out of that front door. A little guy named Lyle Thompson, ever heard of him? A little guy named Miles Thompson, ever heard of him? Uh, You know, Randy Stats, Brendan Bomberry, Holden Katoni. You know, I think, fuck, man. I mean, this team is going to be, uh, you know, they always are. They are just as as electrifying as an offense as you can watch. Um, You know, and I think... the creativity that they have obviously you know with the thompson brothers there i mean it's just uh you know you you see these guys you know you see like a mark matthews or you see a kevin crowley and yeah like these guys are are just putting up numbers and numbers and numbers but it's it's a little bit there's there's more technique to it uh but with with the thompsons and with what georgia does here um you know it's just all it's the creativity it's just like that's what you want to that's like the shit that gets on Sports Center. I mean, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's smooth, it's silky. And, you know, I think without Crawley on the floor for New England, that's going to be a, a, a tough, uh, you know, if that one just turns into a pissing match at, at forward, you know, with these offenses, I think that Georgia outpisses New England, if that makes sense. Um, you know, they kind of don't want to get in a race with those guys uh, because they there's no slowing up. 
So I think that Georgia will come out on that one pretty handedly, uh, you know, until until the Big Cat ends up back in New England. And then the final game of the weekend, we've got the Vancouver Warriors going up against the Calgary Roughnecks. Similar thing with New England. Um, so Calgary, it looks like they will be without Westberg and Curtis Dixon. Uh, so Berg, he had... Uh, what, what, what did he have last year? He had 37 tucks. Curtis Dixon had 47. So right there, if my math is correct, that is what, like 84 goals that they will be down in Calgary. Uh, so that, again, that that's going to give Vancouver. Now, Vancouver's a team where, you know, I, I don't think people have many expectations for them. They're, you know, they're kind of in a, in a rebuild mode a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, they've got Logan Schuss, but, uh, you know, Logan's a friend of the program, but they don't really have too much around him. So, you know, he doesn't have a ton of <coughs> a ton of help at, at forward there. So, um, you know, I, I think with with Berg and, and Curtis Dixon out of this game, um, you know, if they're still holding out by by Saturday at 9 p.m., or I guess, you know, whatever that is in whatever the fuck time zone Calgary's in. Uh, well, then, you know, I, I think that, you know, low scoring game. Uh, works pretty well for Vancouver. Um, now, the only thing is, like, not only is it going to be a low-scoring game because Vancouver doesn't have a, a ton to help out Logan Schuss, but it's also going to be a low-scoring game because Calgary has the goalie of the future in Christian Del Bianco. Uh, this kid is, you know, he's 21 years old, and he's already just been tearing it up i mean he's a minto cup champ he came into the nll at, at 18 um i mean this kid is a fucking wall so you know i think it was going to be low scoring for vancouver anyway uh but the you know the good news for them is that maybe calgary can't quite uh you know make up those goals that they'll be missing in westberg and, and curtis dixon um you know you still got you know jesse king zach Courier, tyson bell i mean you know, guys who can, you know, who, who can take it up the floor and, and fill the back of the net themselves. But uh, I, I like a low scoring game here. And and with that, you know, kind of the same thing with Philly. I think that Vancouver uh, is a team that has a lot to prove. And even though they're not an expansion team, I mean, even though they're, you know, the same team as the Stealth last year, you know, they got a new ownership group. They got a new name. So, I mean, they're basically, you know, they're kind of they're they're a newish they're a new team just you know guys who have been playing on the team before um but i think that you know they have a, a there's pride on the line here and especially with so many people already counting them out as you know being toward the bottom of the league you know i think that they're going to want to come out here and and put a, a statement game together to start off the season so um you know i, I think that they could probably catch Calgary sleeping a little bit. And well, not sleeping, um, you know, because Calgary's obviously going to be ready to go, especially with the home opener for them. Uh, but I think that they can, you know, having Calgary this week with uh, Berg and Dixon still out could be could be pretty good for Vancouver. So you know what? I think that that'll be the one, uh, you know, the one quote unquote. Well, yeah, definitely that'll be the one upset that I picked this week. So give me Vancouver over Calgary. Give me Georgia over the Black Wolves. And uh, unfortunately, give me the Bandits over the Wings. But, you know, that, listen, obviously I'm going to be cheering for the Wings, but like I've got a reputation to uphold here as a Big J journalist. I got to stay a little unbiased here. Uh, you know, and if I'm going for my record, then I, I, I'll take the Bandits over the Wings, but still going to be buzzing there at the Wells Fargo Center tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so those are my picks for this week. We've got Buffalo, Georgia, and Vancouver. Those are the three games of the week. Uh, good news is, uh, so no fret, like, so the... All the games in the NLL will be broadcasted on Bleacher Report Live. Now, listen, fuck Bleacher Report. Obviously, there's nothing I can do about it, all right? So, obviously, they're competitors, but they have the game, so whatever. The good news, you don't have to give them your money just yet because all three games this weekend will be streaming live for free, free 99 on Bleacher Report Live. And then after that, they're going to, you know fuck you over and I make you pay money for the rest of the season. I think it's like, uh, you know, it might be like $40 for a league pass for the whole year. So, um, again, as, as much as I hate bleacher report getting money off of lacrosse, cause you know, they don't give a fuck about lacrosse. You know, we're out here, Barstool, we're grinding our dicks off with this podcast week after week, after week, after week. 
Um, but, you know, I guess the end of the home, they said, oh, fuck you guys. Like, we're going to Bleacher Report. So, listen, I'm not salty about it. You shouldn't be salty about it. I wish you didn't have to give Bleacher Report money, but, you know, you don't this weekend. So, the games are for free. Bleacher Report Live. Buffalo at Philly at 1 p.m. New England at Georgia at 7.05 p.m. Vancouver at Calgary, 9 p.m. Those are all Eastern Standard Time because Eastern Time fucking rules the world. And never forget that. That's the motto for today's episode, boys and girls. Eastern time or die. And until then, low to high to the day we die. We out. She came up, you know Y'all take shots, y'all aim up, you know Hate on low, but we fly high, you know Talk is cheap, free Wi-Fi, whoa Heard they tryna steal away, cut it out, cut it out Spicy mommies on the way, bust it down, bust it down So my watch, she let her way, I flood it out Hey, talk to me nice, show you what these bitches about, whoa Pipe down, throwing up shots First we shut them down, then we open up shots Will this nigga around, just in case y'all forgot They been tryna stop the way, but the way Hasta el volante, de la vuelta el cantante Que tiene guerra con los narcotraficantes Hijo de puta, tengo cuatro rutas Y los vendo a 32 como Carmelo en el Utah Tini, el Che y Versace Voy a morir mi millonario, los Illuminati La Glopi, las putas en el bote Y las negras como Jennifer López Y ella rebota ese culo, tío Le mamo ese totito pa' que no me bote Yo tengo diez dracotes